Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I didn't come here to die. I came here to live. Corey, a.k.a. Second Chance. That Walmart tent for $20, I got maybe it was 15 And, uh, yeah, this is back in 2010. And uh, I got rained on, and it was like 38 degrees outside. So imagine getting rained on. And all this water, as soon as you have like an inch of water in your tent, and you're like, okay, how the heck did this happen? This is not, this is like the worst tent in history. Uh, so I was soaking wet and I was cold and by that more I started pacing back and forth and then I started doing actually at this point I did not get naked until the sun came out but I did I found like a little bluff and the Katie trails covered in bluffs I crawled up to the bluff I ripped off all my wet clothes I did every kind of exercise in the world the sun finally came out so it could hit me so it's like yeah you can picture this like 300 pound naked guy again just uh, you know moving around trying to get warm as possible I think uh, it took me a while but I did finally get a fire started and I slept in that bluff for like two days just because I was so exhausted and yeah that was kind of dangerous a little bit dangerous getting so wet but I do know like yeah, if you get wet you just gotta move really really fast and you can keep warm <laughs> maybe not the best but I'm Doc and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and Renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started.
Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Let's start off with that reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest. One of the great friends of the podcast, Ginger Balls, has come through for us once again. As many of our listeners know, Jeebs pointed us in the direction of some fantastic guests in the past, including the likes of Little Skittle and Scrapbook. Well, he's done it again. During the recording of his latest episode, he suggested that I really needed to talk to an inspirational hiker he knows, so I reached out to this week's guest, and here we are. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muirpod, Corey, also known as Second Chance Hiker. Hey, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome right here. And yeah, I absolutely love ginger balls to death. So you just mentioned him and yep, I get all excited. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that when I reached out to you on Instagram, your reply was hilarious. Uh, you started off your reply with, you had me at ginger balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I say goofy stuff like that quite often. Uh, yeah, I can see myself saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're looking for on the pod here. We're looking for Goofy. So if you you are primetime Goofy, we're good to go. Okay, awesome. Okay. So yeah, I spent uh, this week, just a quick Goofy thing, I guess I can say real quick, is uh, I spent this week in Arizona doing a lot of swimming, and everybody, both that tried to stop and ask me if I was okay, I was like, I'm worried about sharks and, you know, getting eaten by sharks. I always get a very interesting reaction when you start talking about sharks in Arizona when you're in the water. <laughs> you probably got a double take or two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some people answer me seriously. Like, sir, there are no sharks here. I'm like, Oh no. Are you for real? Okay. That's good. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> uh, that's great. Now. So is your trail name, do you have a trail name? Is it second chance hiker? Yeah. It's second chance. I kind of get, you, people have run onto me in the trail and call me second chance. There's a debate on how, if that's my trail name or not, but I like that. I like it. So people recognize me as second chance and then uh, people who are close to me, I just like to go by Corey. So yeah, I like to name second chance as the hiker name. Okay. Well on the podcast here, we go strictly by trail names. So I'm doc and you are second chance for this episode. Okay. Right on. Okay. Hey, second chance. Have you ever listened to the John freaking your pod before? Actually, I, unfortunately, I haven't. Okay. I'm, I'm not, I'm not re fishing for compliments or anything. I only ask because I want to make sure that you're aware of a regular feature that we do called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. And that comes towards the end of the episode. I will turn to you and I'll say, second chance, what's your Pro Tip Insight of the Week? What tip, trick, insight, you know, piece of wisdom can you share with our listeners that's going to make their next outdoor experience even better? So I don't want you to be surprised by that. Okay. Now I got the answer for you already. Already. Okay. Hang on to it. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't give it, don't give it away too early. Otherwise you're going to have to find another one. Oh, okay. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, we also do a gear review in the, in the podcast here. And that is sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, outdoor vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So second chance, what is your must bring piece of gear on your hikes? Oh, if I had to take one thing, 
it would definitely be my tent. And my tent's a big Agnes. Okay. And how, what, what, uh, what, what make of big Agnes or what model? Uh, it's a tiger wall. Actually, it's just really new, but I just need that. I'll take that over anything just for shelter. <laughs> okay. You don't like to sleep exposed and do do some cowboy camping or, or be under a tent? Oh, no, I do cowboy camping most of the time. So I would say uh, 50% of the time I'm cowboy camping. However, if it's mosquito season or just a really bad weather where the tent, it's just, it's one protection I like to have just in case. Right, right. I think I've been attacked by too many mosquitoes in my life. Yeah, so you, <laughs> you and me both, buddy. Absolutely. And so what is your, what's your base weight? What was your base weight on the PCT? I got it down to about 13 to 14 pounds and that's where I'm super, super comfortable with. Yeah. That's, that's a good weight there. 13 to 14 pounds. That's uh, it's not carrying the whole mountain on your back and uh, you're able probably to get most of the essentials in there. Corey, I forgot to ask you about the story behind the trail name. What is the story behind second chance? Okay. So actually my ex-wife who I've known for, 19 years now uh, since we've known since we were young teenagers uh, so before I was going to leave on the PCT she played such a big role in encouraging me to go and everything so she actually came up with a trail named Second Chance and I definitely wanted to leave with a name just because I, I knew that maybe it was going to get somewhat documented so yeah I give her 100% credit I would not be Second Chance if she didn't actually like yeah pick that and why did she pick second chance? What was, what's the, uh, the story there? Uh, because like, I guess we originally separated like in 2012 and she found, I guess the love of her life, Andrew. So again, we're all friends now. I love Andrew and stuff like that. So yes, yeah, she's kind of like, she moved on a long time ago and then she's like, I want you to find your girl, Andrew. I want you to lose like 200 pounds, whatever you want to do. I support you doing it. I just, I want you happy. I don't want you depressed. And yeah, I, I think she just wanted the best for me. So she's like, here's your second chance. So. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now let's, uh, let's take a look at that. Um, topic she brought up she said she wanted you to lose 200 pounds so oh no sure. i mean like that was i kept saying i wanted to lose 200 pounds so she was always supportive she never wanted me to i i think she would have been happy either way sorry if i awarded that wrong no i wasn't even going to come at it from that angle i was going to come at it from from the fact that you decided to take on the pct and we'll get into this a little bit later but um from the sounds of it you were a pretty big guy yeah so i kept going over 400 pounds and that was really depressing and yeah it was a really big super super depressed guy I should have went to therapy for it like a long time ago because oh my god uh, I definitely depressed I was eating myself I think that was my way of suicide right there some people do like cocaine uh, alcohol I turned to just eating eating myself because it felt really good to eat numbed my emotions so yeah so I had to do something to change my life and <laughs> The PCT ended up being the calling right there, the start of it anyways. Okay. So I think we're going to explore that a little bit later when we get to the PCT, but let's, uh, let's back up a little bit and talk about your background and growing up 
and how you got involved with the outdoor experience. Was that part of your childhood? Yeah, so my whole family thinks I'm the crazy one. Maybe they're right. I am the crazy one in the family. Uh, so, like, yeah, we did outdoor stuff. Like, my dad used to take us to the beach almost every weekend. And, like, we went for hikes, and I used to, like, run a trail, but I never did the camping thing. I think we car camped, uh, you know, once or twice in childhood. <laughs> I think the parents did that, but I don't really count that as real camping. So nothing really too wild or adventurous. So I'm kind of the odd one out with the things I do and come up with and <laughs> adventures I go on. But I used to not always be that way. So I think I really changed my life in the last two years in a different direction, the direction I've always wanted it to go in. Okay. And I, I love to talk to my guests about that moment when they first became, became conscious of the existence of long trails. When did, when did it first become uh, – apparent to you that there was such a thing as the Pacific Crest Trail, this trail that goes from Mexico to Canada. Do you remember that moment? I think it was a YouTube. uh, It was homemade wonderlust. Dixie was the very first YouTuber. I found hiking videos and originally I was kind of looking at hikes because I've heard of like the Appalachian Trail. I think we've all heard of it for some reason, even if we're not into the hiking. Somehow that always came up either it was in a movie or somebody's talking about the Appalachian Trail and so, I mean, when I first heard of the PCT, it definitely came from, uh, yeah, Homemade Wonderlust. And then it was Darwin after that and Jay Wondersow and, uh, yeah, a few other people that just got me really inspired and hooked to, wow, the PCT looks amazing. <laughs> and then how long from the time that you heard about it or realized it to the time that you said, uh, you know what, I think this is a good idea. I want to do this. I want to take this on. I would say I had a house and I had all my furniture and stuff. So it's like, I thought about it as soon as a doctor, he told me, you know, you have a heart of a very unhealthy 68 year old man. And at that moment, I think it was like March of 2018. And then I realized that, okay, I got to do something. I got to change something. So I sold my house and that took some time, I think six months to do. And then I put what little I had left in storage, but I pretty much got rid of 90% of my life just gone, all my material possessions. And uh, yeah, so it took me from the moment of hearing about it and then the moment preparing, planning and stuff like that, maybe eight months. And yeah, I started at the end of January of 2019, which again, I advise nobody to start that early. That's pretty early. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was crazy. A little bit crazy. <laughs> Our smart. I'm going to go with smart. Never mind. Go with smart. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask some personal questions and, and feel free to tell me, hey, I don't want to talk about that. But um, at, at that time in March 2018, were you still married or was that after? Yeah, we were separated for a long time. But yeah, I think uh, we were technically still we were yeah, separated since 2012, but technically we were still married, even though, yes, you've moved in with Andrew a long time ago. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> and you talked about eating to numb your emotions. What, uh, what kinds of emotions and, and what caused those emotions? Just being depressed. I mean, that's a really difficult, uh, you know, you're not my therapist here. <laughs> right. I know. I know. I'm being nosy. Yeah, so have, having, bad relationships. I would say that I would say, uh, just everything dealing with childhood trauma. 
uh, dealing with, uh, yeah, I had a really rough childhood. Everybody I think maybe has a lot of different types of abuse in my childhood. And that took me a long time to come to terms with. And uh, yeah, I mean, divorced and lonely. And then all of a sudden you try to get a girlfriend, but then you are pretty much, you know, a really huge guy. And then a really sad, depressed guy who just wants to sit on the couch all day. So like no girl wants to date you. And I can see why. <laughs> Uh, looking back on it, I don't want to date somebody that's sitting on the couch and doesn't have, you know, super depressed. It'll just bring you down too. It sucks. So all that did was make me want to eat more. And maybe I kind of gave up on life a little bit and just said, you know, just eat myself to death. And I don't think I was like looking really deep into it. I think that's exactly what I was doing. I was eating myself to death. Okay. Yeah, thank you. And and thanks for telling me to, to not to buzz off. So <laughs> Oh wait, I was sp- okay, my bad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and so, you know, there's a lot of different directions you can go at that point. Um, but you chose to go the route of the hiking the PCT. Yeah. Uh I tried other things. I went to Weight Watchers. I tried dieting. I tried uh I had a swimming pool, so I went swimming every day, and I thought that would be good. I ate lots of vegetables, but maybe I ate too many, and the weight just wasn't coming off. And uh, it felt like I gained weight, and that was really – it just was crazy. So it's like I feel like I became hopeless, and I had to do something. So I had to just kind of walk away, and it's, I always call it nuking my old life and starting a new life just pushing the button right there and starting over. And, and at that point in, in January of 2019, what was your, what was your day job? And uh, did you, by going on the PCT, is that you just put that to the side and said, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll worry about uh, income and that kind of thing once we're done with this. Uh, so after I sold my house, I got a good chunk of money for selling my house uh, before that, I mean, I had all kinds, I did sales, worked at a beverage company and stuff like that. And then actually I did pretty good there a little bit in the stock market. And, uh, that's a stressful, stressful thing. But anyways, I wasn't pressed for anything. I'm like, you know, no job I've had is like, Oh, this is like awesome. Or I don't know. I got into sales jobs. I hated those. Uh, so I was like, you know, got money for selling my house and you know, the market kept going up and up and up and I was like yeah I'm just going to you know forget it and live like a homeless man for a while I didn't realize how expensive being a homeless person was because I bought like six thousand dollars in gear and I'm like wow this is getting really expensive (laughs) just to go for a walk you're gonna live like a homeless person in the woods but yeah I went with it and what kinds of resources did you use to do your research on the PCT I became a friends with James, who is a professor, and he was originally going to hike it at the trail. And me and him talked about gear back and forth. But being a big guy, it was so hard finding gear. Everything was tailored to – it honestly felt like it was tailored to somebody, a skinny person. So it was really annoying and hard to find the right type of ultralight gear. Even when I got my backpack, I couldn't get it around my waist. And I left like that. And that was kind of depressing. But I was like, not to worry. I'll lose weight and I'll eventually get it around my waist. So, yeah, it was hard finding the right gear. And some of the gear didn't really fit or work out for me. But I, it took a long time, but I figured it out. I was super excited to go. Okay. And was the PCT your first overnight hiking experience? 
No, no. So I did overnight hiking before, and this time I probably did leave. I was uh, probably left with like $50 worth of gear. I went to Walmart and bought the cheapest tent ever and stuff. I hiked the Katy Trail, and this is after a guy I was actually working uh, as a pizza delivery guy at the time at night and an armed robbery happened he came in he put a gun to my head and uh, then pistol whipped my boss and I felt so horrible and this was like in Alton Illinois and uh, so I felt like awful I watched her get pistol whipped because she wasn't letting go of the money but he never turned his back towards me and I was like oh no like what am I there's nothing I can do I can rush this guy and try to take the gun and I was like nope I'm gonna die (laughs) and I'm really glad I didn't do that and uh I had to watch that though. It was really, really hard to watch her, you know, get hit over the head with a gun several times. She let go of the money. He put the gun back to my face and he ordered me to open the door. I did what he said. And that really, really messed me up because she was a friend of mine and I just felt so awful. So I took off on the Katie trail for about 20 days. I only took a limited supply of food with me and uh, yeah, I just took off walking and that was, I think, 230-something miles. And so I did that in 2000 and I think 11 or 10. No, it was 2010. So that was my first trail. But after that, that was really my only camping experience. And then, uh, yeah. And so is it Katie, K-A-T-I-E? K-A-T-Y? How do you spell that? I feel like it's a Y. It's in Missouri. It's a pretty famous trail in Missouri. It's like a bike trail, really. It's all flat. It's super, super nice. I think most people ride a bicycle on it. Uh, so I think it's K-A-T-Y, Katie Trail. I'm pretty sure. So that must have been traumatic for you to go to uh, Walmart, buy 50 bucks worth of camping gear, and go walk for 200 miles. And that's, uh, that's, that's something. <laughs> Yeah, I ended up sleeping under bridges and then pit toilets there too because I it was really it was March, it was freezing cold, bad weather. Uh, there's some stories too, like oh my god, I get naked one time because I was so cold. Uh, everything got wet that night. I had you jumping jacks. It was really crazy experience uh, doing what I did, but it was a completely flat trail, like I said, and nothing like I could get to it. Uh, the any type of market or something like that within an hour or two so it wasn't too scary but I think at that time I was about 300 pounds but again I just kept gaining weight I think the marriage fell apart in 2012 and uh, after that it really my weight just skyrocketed to that 400 pound marker Mm -hmm. are you familiar with IBTAT at all yeah a little bit uh yeah, so I think he's on the Colorado, uh, no, the CDT right now. He is, he is, and by his definition, you're you are officially hiker trash. He was yeah. when I when I interviewed him, he had this great hiker trash hat on, and I said, oh, I need to get a hat like that. And he says, Well, you have to you have to earn this hat. You can't just can't just buy the hat. And I said, Well, what I mean, what what do I have to do to to wear a hiker trash hat? He says, My definition of hiker trash is you have to spend at least one night inside of an Andy Gump or a pit toilet so oh okay I did that on the PCT too but uh yeah I like that no I'm 100% hiker trash I think after the one accident of eating too many noodles and then uh, I couldn't make it out of the tent in time and yeah, I pooped on myself I think after that I kind of realized hiker trash <laughs> I got the definition so <laughs> all right that's quite a story right there <laughs> Uh, I feel like most hikers have some type of story like that, though. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> I'm hoping you have more of those stories. We want to hear about those. 
you never know. <laughs> okay. So what, what, uh, what did you expect when you showed up to Campo to, to start the PCT? What, what were your expectations for the trail and how, how was it in the early days? It was, so the woman dropped me off from, we actually met on a fasting group. So I kind of was almost thinking, what if I just went up there and fasted, which means don't eat for like 30 days, 60 days. And I come back down a skinny person. I say, Oh, I'm done. I lost all that weight. That's awesome. Uh, so I, I was thinking this could be a really fast fix that would solve all my problems in life. Uh, so she dropped me off and then I kind of like looked around and I kept seeing border patrol and I'm like, okay, I look like a giant. And that's just time I shaved. I had no hair on my head. I shaved it all off. I, I look like a giant white, maybe marshmallow. I was huge and like 400 pounds. And yeah, I'm just looking super white with no hair. And I have this backpack and I kept thinking border patrol doesn't think I'm a hiker. They probably think this is something weird going on. They kept different trucks kept popping up and like they're checking me out and they disappear and a new truck pops up and yeah so it was really weird I didn't really feel like am I crazy doing this is border patrol going to question me for doing this because I'm the only person out here and yeah it was incredibly overwhelming I think I was throwing up uh the whole day <laughs> getting on the airplane getting off the airplane I was so nervous uh I was terrified because I've never done anything like this before and these are like scary mountains and my dad wanted me to bring a m16 with me maybe some grenades and he's like there's deadly animals you don't know <laughs> so but it was a wild scary time again I was all alone most hikers now I think everybody kind of starts at the same a little bit like they have 50 permits a day and stuff so people at least maybe are not so alone but yeah I took off there alone and I could only make it I think three or four miles the first day and everything hurt I kept laying down it was so painful I uh I definitely think I cried most days at least once I got to cry in at least once a day starting day one definitely got to get your cry in and yeah so I was all alone and it's the end of January and uh I'm super excited, but I'm also like, okay, well, there's nothing to go back to. I don't own a house anymore. Where am I going to go back? The only friend I have is my uh, ex-wife. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to live with them. <laughs> that, that just would be too, I'd probably be crying living with them too. So I was like, nope, there's no other option for me. I have to stay on trail. I have to keep doing this. So those first six days, it, it took me 20 miles, six days to hike 20 miles. And, uh, it was grueling. It was exhausting. And, but I did it and I was like, okay, well I did 20 miles. It took me almost a week, but I can keep going. I can do this more. And that's kind of how the start of the PCT was. I just started out super, super slow and yep. Kept going. Yeah. And so end of January, I imagine there's not a whole lot of other hikers starting at that time. You were completely by yourself. Yeah. I saw a day hiker here and there. And uh, day five, uh, another professor is messaging me. He's like, hey, I'm going up there anyways. I say, say like, oh, no, I don't need help. And he's like, oh, but I'm going up there if you want uh, me to take any gear off you because it sounds like you have a heavy pack. And at this time, I did take extra winter gear. So I was like, yeah, actually, you can take my extra gas. I have a four-pound jacket I took with me. And I was just like, you can take some of my clothes off me. So uh, he came up and uh, – so every once in a while, I think I had the first uh, week too, I had cell service most of the time until I got into the canyon and I lost it. 
uh, for a night or two. But uh, yeah, so besides meeting people here and there, I was completely alone majority of the time. I think the longest I went without seeing somebody when I first took off was like seven days. Maybe it was six or seven days right around there too. Uh, but in the beginning, I guess it's so close to San Diego that you ended up seeing a few more people, day hikers here and there. But okay. yeah, for the most part, especially at night, I was alone. <laughs> and did the professor, did he also take the M16 and the grenades from you as well? <laughs> yeah, I can't say that on the podcast, though. If I get in trouble. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> that would have been uh, really, yeah. I'm sure he would have loved that, right? Yes. Now, so you started end of January. Did you finish the whole PCT? No, 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 no. So it took me day... Uh, it took me eight months. I stayed on the PCT for eight months, but day 154, I did get, end up get pretty hurt. I threw out my back really bad and that kind of knocked me off to do like day hiking there for about two months to recover from that. So as most people finish the PCT in four to six months, uh, yeah, I was still pushing along. Yeah. From January to the end of September, actually. I feel like that's like eight months. Maybe that's seven months. I'm not actually sure. January to (laughs) end of of January to what part of September? The end of September. That's about eight months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere. So I'm right there. It feels like that's what it felt like. Yeah. So yeah, I got to do uh, Washington at the end and uh, yeah, so there's no way I think I was averaging three miles a day and I got a lot of criticism for that. And looking back on that, I wish I told people to shut up. Because, you know, hey, it's my hike, and, like, why are you pushing me to where I can get more injuries and stuff? Let me go at my own pace, and it's not your hike. You come out here and do it. And so a lot of criticism I took, and I felt like I had a lot of peer pressure since I put it on social media, and I wasn't kind of expecting that peer pressure to happen, but it totally did, uh, where people are like, oh, do more miles, hurry up, and you're never going to finish. And it's like – that's okay. If I don't finish, I'm out here having a crazy, awesome adventure. It's like, what does it matter at this point if I finish? And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was very, very interesting how everything unfolded in 2019. Yeah. I think that's a very important point. And I hope I'm not stealing the thunder of your pro tip, but, uh, definitely everybody has their own context. Everybody is out there hiking their hike and we shouldn't be projecting on them, you know, what they should be doing according to what we think. And so I think yeah, you make a very good point about, you know what, this is your experience and you're out there for, for your reasons and you have your goals and you're hiking your hike. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so I kind of, I feel like it might just be weekend warriors who are the biggest critics that are kind of prepping for their hikes and they kind of have in their mind that they're going to do it all and no injury is going to happen and I don't know I watch people left and right uh beside me get knocked off because of injuries or out of money it's like hikes change and you just kind of go with the flow but I mean yeah I'm I uh had a friend who said I did the PCT it took me four months 11 days I'm like oh my god it's like I I went out there for eight butts and you know (laughs) I got a thousand miles of it, but I had one of the greatest adventures of my life. So heck I have no regrets. So if you started down in, at uh, the Mexican border and you did some, some time in Washington, you sounds like you kind of skipped around a little bit with those thousand miles. 
Yeah, so when I got to mile 700, it was uh, Sierras. This is one of the highest snow years in history in the Sierras that anybody can remember. And it's like uh, people – actually, I think it was Ginger Balls who was, got a little bit famous with his toe picture. I think it was – yeah, definitely him. And, uh, yeah, who wants to go to the Sierras and you can lose one of your toes? I'm like, uh, or walk in the snow for 30 days. And I knew what would happen. It's like – I wasn't physically ready to do that. I still was, you know, in the three hundreds and I still was like, okay, can I go into the Sierras and do this for 30 days successfully? And I just kind of like, I want to go into the Sierras so badly, but I can always come back and do it. Just add it to my bucket list. Let's come back and do it. And that's kind of the plan. And yeah, so I flipped up to originally Oregon and that's where day like 155 uh my back was kind of already getting tweaked pretty bad and then i slipped down devil's peak and uh, again being a bigger guy i slipped down the mountain and i think adrenaline was going but the time i got to the bottom of the mountain i had another fall and after that my back was just it felt like somebody knifed me in the back and it just went a thousand times more painful and it was probably the fall with the backpack just did something to just knock my back out. So that really, really sucked though. Yeah. And how long were you knocked off the trail because of that? So two months, uh, but I still got on the trail here and there. Uh, and uh, the doctor originally gave me some pretty good medicine there for the first month too, because it was so painful to even try to sleep. And eventually I learned how to sleep either against a tree or I actually went and picked up my Jeep is what happened. And I was like, okay, well, it's going to be cheaper than trying to get a hotel room or sleep out in the woods. And I ended up sleeping, just sitting up in my Jeep, actually the way I am now. And I fell asleep like that. And actually within a month, my back just felt good. And it was sleeping at a L shape angle. It was really weird. Only time I could get sleep. So, uh, after that, then yeah, I got back on the, uh, in Washington, but time was running out, so I started cherry-picking where exactly I wanted to hike. And, yeah, just try to have a little bit of fun before – because I was definitely getting burnt out of being out in the wilderness <laughs> without, you know, a proper bed every night. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was fun. Yeah, eight months on the trail. I don't, I don't care what distance you cover. Eight months on the trail, that is a serious accomplishment. I mean, you're, you're out there for a long, long time. Yeah. And I was hard on myself for that too. It's like, cause I wanted to keep going and stuff and like that. And I kind of wish I could go back in time again, you know, and tell myself like, Hey, just don't worry about anything. Just enjoy your life. Have fun. <laughs> don't worry about the future. Don't worry about the past. Just be in the present and have fun. Okay. A couple things before we go to our first break. And that first one is, uh, when exactly did you meet Ginger Balls? What was the context there? Oh, I almost feel like I met him at McDonald's, maybe right before Wrightwood. I'm guessing I could be completely wrong. Uh, that's the first time I met him. Uh, I felt like I met him a few times. I met him in Oregon once again at PCT Days, and I I feel like there might be a third time I might be missing. So I'm curious. I actually recently, a couple of weeks ago, tried to meet up with him again. And uh, we were almost, I was probably, uh, he had to go get on a plane or something. So I barely missed him, but we weren't too far away. So yeah, I don't 100% remember the first context, but I remember he stuck out to me super, super well. 
and normally if somebody sticks out with me i uh sticks out i'll never forget them and uh yeah so didn't forget them yeah he is quite a character one of one of our favorite guests on the on the podcast uh really shoots it straight says it how it is and uh, he's got a ton of great stories so quite a character yeah, I can imagine his adventures I've seen him go on already. Just what I've seen, I can imagine his life. It's pretty awesome. So definitely a guy anybody should want to hang around with. Yes. Now, when you you did your you, you did some of the desert, you you flipped up to Oregon, you did some Washington. What were some of the more memorable uh, moments on the trailer? Memorable memorable sights. Uh, I called it Hurricane Ridge, and it's uh, it's not the correct name for it. It's just nicknames I give things. Uh, the biggest thing is Mount Laguna, that first 40 miles, you're going to get one of the most strongest winds and uh, the San Diego County area. And those winds were crazy that day, and they really were there lifting up my legs like I'm some type of ninja thing, and being a big guy, this is kind of cool. And so the wind was trying so hard to push me off the mountain, and I just got to, you know uh, – Maybe instead of crying so much that day, uh, I don't know what, <laughs> just, you know, being out there alone. It's like I yelled and screamed at the mountain, and it was so windy, so loud. It was unreal. Like, I felt like I was alive, and I just got to let go of all this energy and hate and anything else that was going on in my life. I got to scream at the mountain. So I love the wind, and uh, – <laughs> That definitely was one of the most memorable things. Oh, in that day, I said, I didn't come here to die. I came here to live. So it's something I always reminded myself. I was like, I'm not out here to get myself hurt or anything, which a lot of people were really concerned. They're like, oh, I'm too fat to be hiking and stuff on social media, that is. Uh, so they were really concerned. And I was like, no, it's like, no, I came out here to live, save my life. I didn't come out here to get myself killed. So I think first time I really started realizing it's like, okay, well, the mountain's trying so hard to get me off. And hey, guess what? I'm not getting off this mountain. I'm going to stay here and just keep going. Okay. And the trail has a tendency to transform people. People go out there to work on stuff. Maybe people don't realize it, um, but they work on stuff out there uh, because they have so much alone time, so much thinking time alone in their head. Um, and so what? How, how did the trail transform you when you finished those thousand miles the eight months have, have gone by what is what what's second chance how is second chance up in washington different from second chance down at the mexican border well i think i came in thinking originally let's say mexican second chance here i was thinking okay in six months i can maybe solve all my problems i can lose 200 pounds i will have all my depression is going to be gone because I'll find myself and find all the answers and everything. And uh, honestly, I think I was, you know, we all kind of, I think first it's not that it's not healthy to lose 200 pounds probably in six months. And I don't think you can, you know, cure all your mental issues too within six months. But so right there, I kind of had these huge expectations, what was going to happen, but the trail kind of provided what I needed it to provide. It gave me confidence. It said, Hey, you can go out into the wild. You can go live like a, a wild man and you can make it, you can go up a mountain. And I started hiking at night, cowboy camp. At first I was terrified to cowboy camp. And then anytime there was no mosquitoes, I would cowboy camp. <laughs> but, uh, so it's like, I felt like a wild man and I had no friends when I left. The only friend I had again was my former wife. And, uh, 
she was my only friend in the world. And that to me was kind of depressing. And then all of a sudden a trail had within after winter ended and people started getting on trail, I think month uh, two or three, I was out there, I started running into other hikers. And all of a sudden, I started meeting people that are super awesome and people that knew who I was or people that just wanted a hug. I probably initiated all the hugs, though, but I hugged a lot of people out there. And I think I was desperate for some hugs. I don't think maybe maybe I didn't get enough hugs as a child. But uh, I think I hugged about a 1000 people on the trail. And uh, it was always kind of like just getting into a conversation and you could feel a conversation. You could feel a hug coming on at the end. And then you just like, yeah, okay, well, it was awesome meeting you. Let's bring it in. And I felt like there was a huge like brotherhood and sisterhood going on. It just, everybody rocked. And uh, the trail also, I didn't have a girlfriend for a long time. The trail gave me a girlfriend. I was not expecting that. So I can look at that pretty positively too. I mean, the trail was kind of like giving me a bunch of friends and, you know, the nerdy kid and like a, I'm sure you've seen those high school movies where like the loser kid who has no friends, no girlfriend, all of a sudden gets all everything he wants at the end of the movie. I think that's how the PCT felt for me. Cause at the end it's like, okay, well I just made all these new friends and then I got a girlfriend like, Holy cow, this doesn't seem real, but it is. <laughs> so second chance goes out on the PCT uh, picks up a bunch of friends, but a lot of hugs, finds a girlfriend. What's the name of this movie? <laughs> right? I It could be something. That's <laughs> uh, a good question. You threw me off guard there. Okay. But it should be something. Uh, All right. Let's, let's think about that. I give you more details. <laughs> yeah, let's think about that. Let's find a name for this movie. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to we're gonna, – dig in to see if he has if uh, second chance has any stories any additional stories from the pct and i also want to talk a little bit about your european hiking experience so stay tuned for that we'll be right back The John Freakin' Meerpot is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence-inspiring education that empowers outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance and durability enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident in. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultralight. And welcome back. We are talking to Second Chance. We just heard a little bit about his experience on the PCT, eight months of time on the PCT. And I want to go back just for a second because you had mentioned earlier on when we were talking about hiker trash credibility uh, about sleeping in a pit toilet. Did that happen on the PCT? Yeah, that happened like in the first few weeks. And I got hit with a snowstorm the first night. And uh, I mean, it almost, I think my boot was filled entirely with ice and snow. And uh, it was awful. Everything was wet the, uh, that day. And I was like, hi, God, I'm going to get hit with another snowstorm that night. And I was freaking out. And all I could see on gut hooks, uh, the map thing is like, oh, my God, there's a pit toilet here. And there's next to a road. So it's like worst case, you know, maybe if I freeze to death, somebody will at least find my body. 
And so I made it and I was like so proud. I did like, I don't know, like eight miles that day, which was crazy for me in the beginning. Uh, but I made it to this pit toilet and I felt like I was a king. And uh, I did the YouTube videos. It's good um, diary. And I said, there's no way I'll ever get a girlfriend after this. If any of this footage gets out, and of course all the footage gets out. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it's like if any of this footage gets out where I'm sleeping my head next to this toilet that, you know, nobody will ever want to date me. So you're a disgusting hiker trash. And uh, it's like, man, it's been like three and a half, four years since the last time I've ever had a girlfriend. And yep, this is not helping my cause at all. So I'm like, ah, so that was definitely crazy. <laughs> That's pretty poetic. I mean, you found the pit toilet and you said that you felt like a king. Obviously, the obvious reference there is the throne. You have a throne, <laughs> throne for the king. Yeah, I definitely you were a king, though, because that was like the perfect shelter. Oh, I forgot that morning. It was storming. It was like it felt like a blizzard outside. So I went to the highway and the first two vehicles that were SUV, police SUVs, they both stopped like, what are you doing out here? And I was like, I'm cold. I want to ride into town. He's like, are you in like a life-threatening emergency? And I was like, not at the moment. And he's like, but you're, you're okay at the moment. I said, yes. And he drove away and I realized what he was doing. He wanted me to tell him, no, I'm freezing my butt off. Save me. Uh, but the very next car that came by did stop. And they're like, my God, what are you doing out here? Like it's a blizzard. And, uh, they picked me up and they got me into town. And, uh, I was so wet when I got into town, they, they'll let me go uh in the street and I actually ended up peeing on myself because I think I was going in a little bit of hypothermia there uh so there's more hiker trash stuff but I got so cold like as soon as I stepped back out everything it just like hit me and it was I was so wet and it's so cold outside that I felt like oh my god I have to pee and I have like five seconds and I had all this snow stuck gear wet snow gear on and there's no way I could do it and it's just all of a sudden I just started peeing on myself and I'm like oh my god will this ever end like I have to get out of here uh so it took a while but finally there was a room available and my hands were shaking by the time I got there uh but I felt like again a king now I felt like uh no maybe a hiker god at this point because oh my god I got a room uh, you had the you had the full hiker trash experience right there. Yeah, and then the part of the worst story that happened is I should have known I had a gluten intolerance, but I thought you know maybe I'm exercising, it's okay. At Warner Springs, I pretty much was out of food, and they're like, "Oh, here we have all these old noodles you can have and stuff," and covered in like tons of gluten. I'm sure probably double gluten. And, yeah, he's <laughs> like, "Okay, I'm starving though," so I took off. And I got into my tent. I ate all these noodles. And oh, oh, my God. I officially, I felt something happening in my stomach. And it's like, okay, Corey, you got five seconds or a yeah, second chance. You got five seconds to make it to uh, get out of this tent and find somewhere to squat. And nope, I couldn't even get the zipper undone. I started struggling. <laughs> hurry, hurry, hurry. I got to go. And I couldn't get the zipper. And oh, my God. It was a disaster again. Yeah, you don't and, want to in the tent. What? Said you don't want to poop in the tent. No, you don't want to do anything. Uh, the only time I was officially denied a hug was after the poop incident. It was uh, Mary. She was a uh, trail angel and uh, at her water source. She was going to warn me about San Jacinto that I'm probably going to die if I go on there. But I was like, oh, thank you so much for warning me. It's like coming in for a hug. And she said, no, no. So the only person in the eight months 
that turned down a hug from me was Mary. And I can totally understand why I did not clean up as well as I thought I did. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you told her about the poop story and she said no, but she just kind of sensed it. <laughs> but she did. Yeah. Good for Mary. Uh, good, good for yeah. Mary. Yeah. After a day or two, you kind of forget. <laughs> you just go back to being hiker trash. I don't know. Uh, it's embarrassing, though. But hopefully future hikers can understand. Uh, like, I, I'm sharing my vulnerable story to help somebody else not to feel so bad if this happens to them. <laughs> right. Now, you've mentioned five seconds a couple of times. Five seconds, you're going to start peeing. Five seconds, you're going to start pooping. You have a very short warning system from your body, huh? Yeah, it sounds like it. I think maybe I should go see a doctor about this right here. <laughs> I feel like a doctor is like, well, what causes it? I was like, hiking? He's like, well, don't do that again. <laughs> I, I feel what the doctor's advice already is. Or, yeah, don't go through hypothermia. Like, don't do that either. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, avoid these I, things. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't also address an earlier comment you made about naked jumping jacks. Naked jumping jack. Oh, on the Katy Trail. Oh, my God. Yeah. So uh, that Walmart tent for $20, I got maybe it was 15. And uh, yeah, this is back in 2010. And uh, I got rained on and it was like 38 degrees outside. So imagine getting rained on and all this water. As soon as you have like an inch of water in your tent and you're like, okay, how the heck did this happen? This is not, this is like the worst tent in history. Uh, so I was soaking wet and I was cold and by that more I started pacing back and forth and then I started doing actually at this point I did not get naked until the sun came out but I did I found like a little bluff and the Katy trails covered in bluffs I crawled up to the bluff I ripped off all my wet clothes I did every kind of exercise in the world the sun finally came out so it could hit me so it's like yeah you can picture this like 300 pound naked guy again just uh you know moving around trying to get warm as possible I think uh, it took me a while but I did finally get a fire started and I slept in that bluff for like two days just because I was so exhausted and yeah that was kind of dangerous a little bit dangerous getting so wet but I do know like yeah if you get wet you just got to move really really fast and you can keep warm <laughs> maybe not the best but yeah <laughs> okay now earlier you said that you had uh, you're doing three four miles a day uh, at towards the beginning, and you mentioned that you made you made it eight miles to the pit toilet. What was your high mileage day on the PCT? What'd you get? Oh, up to? that was um, I did twenty five miles, and that was in May. So I think after four months, and I totally wrecked and destroyed my feet, you know, for a day or two after attempting this. Uh, but what happened was, is I was hiking with a hiker named Little B. And after two days of hiking with her, like I was like, okay, cool. I can't keep up with you. Won't see you again. And so I uh, give her a hug for the first time and I don't, uh, I assume I'll never see this girl again, but she sends me a message and says, by the way, you know, I actually really like you and miss you. And I'm like, holy cow, it's been like three or four years. A girl, yes, thumbs up. A girl likes me. <laughs> it's like, I'll do anything at this point. <laughs> so I I think my record was, I think, 14 at that time when I met her, and I did a 25-mile day. And they call this, uh, I don't know what this is called, it's called pink blazing. But come on. First, I was on the trail, I think, you know, already for four months. And, you know, a girl told me she likes me. It's like, huh, this doesn't happen. <laughs> 
so yeah, I went with it, and uh, that was my biggest mile day uh, I did, and I'm really impressed, and I had to recover my feet. There was, again, a snowstorm kind of brewing and stuff like that, so I was able to take a little bit of recovery to get my feet back, but yeah, so take that how you want to. <laughs> now, you mentioned getting a, a girlfriend on the trail. Is, is Little B the girl you're talking about? Yeah, so she's from uh, Germany, and yeah, so yeah, she was my girlfriend at the time. Okay, this is the perfect segue because I have in my my notes here about your European hiking experience. I've got the country of Germany. Is that uh, is that also related to Little B? Yeah, so we went on. Uh, I originally went saw her January 2020, and then COVID hit, and of course it was next to impossible to get to Germany. But if there's a will, there's a way. I finally figured it out, and this time I got an apartment. And I decided, you know, let me just nuke this apartment. I'm going to go move to Germany. So that was kind of the plan. And uh, I nuked the apartment, uh, sold the stuff or gave it away, the stuff I kind of rebought a little bit. And originally when I left to do the PCT at a storage unit, nope, I'm like, this time I'm going to be a total minimalist. And I just nuked everything. I'm like, don't need it, anything. So it's like I found a way if I go to the UK I, and stay in the UK for like two weeks, Germany will probably let me in. I was like, okay, sure, let's give that a try. Uh, so I went to the UK, got the cheapest Airbnb I could find. It was like $18 a night, super awesome. But the rule was I couldn't leave the Airbnb and I had to have groceries delivered. And uh, I couldn't go out even to get groceries. So I followed the rules and I got into Germany. Germany let me in. They didn't even question me when I got there. So I was super psyched. And yeah, we hiked a bunch. Uh, we worked with sheep. She had a bunch of sheep and that was really cool too. And doing those trails like the Malawig to me reminded me like a Disney movie. There was like caves we could go under and all this like really awesome. There's castles. It was, yeah, Germany hiking. It's different. Uh, but yeah, it's really fun. I definitely was super happy I got those experiences. Now, what does that mean that she worked with sheep? So it was kind of a hobby of her. So she had about nine sheep and nine to 11 sheep. She would milk them and, you know, uh, she got them pregnant again so she can make more babies and milk them. And she always said, I'm going to eat the men. So I always kind of laughed at that. Like, Oh my God, yep, eat the men. And, uh, the women can provide her milk and more babies. So like, Oh, okay. Uh, did you keep one eye open at night? Yeah, I thought, no, she had bees too. And that was funny. I'm not hating on her at all because it was always a story, you know, we kind of laughed at too. But she said the worker bees would kick out the men at, in the wintertime. So it's like, oh, okay, darn, the men kind of get a rough deal going on in nature if they get kicked out of the hive. That winter, they get kicked out and they die. Like, oh, ouch. Uh, so, no, uh, Germany was a really awesome experience. Unfortunately, yeah, the relationship didn't work so i ended up in croatia uh and that was an entirely awesome cool experience now i'm excited to talk to you about this because a few months ago i had on the podcast nikola tesla horvat who did came out to uh, the u.s did the pct and said to himself i need one of these trails back in my home country of croatia and he actually went back and founded the Croatian Long Distance Trail 
Association, and they they went about and created the Croatian Long Distance Trail. And he talked about that uh, quite a bit on the podcast. And so for our listeners who who may have their interest piqued by this, please go back and take a listen to that episode. It was a great interview. Uh, he was he was awesome to talk to. And so when I saw that you have you have some Croatian long distance trail experience in you. I wanted to see if you had actually met uh, Tesla. Oh, a hundred. Yeah. So hundred percent. I met Tesla. He uh, actually messaged me when I was on there and he said that I was like, uh, where are you? And I probably get all the names a little bit wrong, but it's a Valedic mountain range. And he's like, that's dangerous to be on there in November. <laughs> he's like, so what are you doing on there? And I kind of like, I told him my girlfriend broke up with me. I don't know what I'm doing at this point, but I'm hiking and that's, you know, what matters. <laughs> and uh, uh, So I started hiking and he's like, just be really careful. The wind up there could be crazy. He's uh, pretty much said like people should start like in April to do the trails, but he was like super psyched. Like you're doing it though. That's awesome. And uh, he then started, you know, keeping updated with me, like, okay, where are you now? What's going on and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so I stayed in Croatia for about six weeks. And at this point, again, you know, I just went through a breakup and I was, you know, I probably needed a friend to talk to, but instead I went up alone in the mountains and I kept making YouTube videos of Croatia, which some of them were really awesome, cool. Uh, I found like crazy free, like brand new shelter to stay in that's free and then there's other shelters and tons of things like adventures in Croatia they were the nicest people in the world uh but it's like yeah uh after the first snowstorm hit in November I kind of was like okay this is awful I don't have cell service while I'm up way up in the mountains and uh Nikolai uh Tesla said like hey you can come over to my house I'll pick you up and stuff like that and Maybe we can like talk about this and maybe you can even come back in, you know, a better time than in uh, end of November to be up in the mountains. So I went over to Tesla. He let me stay with him for eight days. No way. Yeah. He seems kind of shy at first, but we talked about beer and he wanted to hear about my relationships things. And he's like, but first let's get some beer. <laughs> so me and uh, Tesla, yeah, we got beer almost every night. And uh, I said he wanted to do an interview with me on his YouTube channel. And I was like, oh, no. He's like, well, let's drink and let's think about it. <laughs> and that's how he got me to do his interview. Uh, I mean, he was the super nicest guy. He showed me so much Croatia. His dad cooked me Croatian food. He took me to a Croatian spa. Uh, Nick, uh, Tesla and I, we talked about women here and there too. And he's like, Oh no, you need to find a Croatian woman. And that's my impersonation. <laughs> he's like, they're really nice and sweet and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, he was a really awesome guy, really nice friend. And, uh, I hope he comes back to the United States and I can somehow repay him for everything that he did for me. So I was super happy. I did the part. I think one of the most hardest parts of the Croatia trail, I knocked that out. And at least, you know, if I was going to do a section of it, I'm glad I did, you know, the most, probably the most difficult section of the trail. So I know second chance that uh, Tesla is going to be doing the Arizona trail in September. (sighs) See, I'm going to see if I can run into him. So you never know. So I know he really loves Arizona a lot too. And I can see why. I just left Arizona a day or two ago, and it is really, really nice. Yeah. Did you ever did you ever watch this movie, Why I Hike? 
Yes, I uh, actually watched it with him and I went to one of his presentations too. Uh, and he put it on and he gave a little uh, presentation. I think it was uh, next to a library and a lot of people came out to watch it. And uh, at the end of the presentation, he put in why I hike. So I think I watched it maybe two or three times. <laughs> so I absolutely love it. He did an amazing job, just that footage and everything. Awesome. He did. Now I want to go back and unpack a few things if you don't mind. What okay. is, I, 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 I've noticed a trend and that is you seem to pick the wrong time to start your hikes. <laughs> right. So Croatia wasn't planned at all. I didn't actually really, honestly, I never heard of Croatia. Maybe like, it sounds like a crab to me. I love the Croatian people more than anything. So I'm not insulting them. Uh, just if anybody was wondering, but I never heard of it in from Germany. I honestly didn't know. I felt really, really lost and I didn't know where to go. And I didn't want to return to the United States. Cause it's like, well, shouldn't I do some traveling? Uh, so I kind of told myself, look, what if you do like start off in this crazy country that the ticket, the plane ticket's only $60 to get there. It's called Croatia. And I'm like, yeah, I can start there. Maybe like go to Morocco or Nepal next or do something crazy. So I was like, okay, I ended up in Croatia. And the first thing I look at is there any hiking trails. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, there's one on gut hooks. And I'm like, all right, let's, uh, sure. Why not? And, uh, yeah, even if I started at that time, it was, I know what I'm capable of and what I can handle and stuff. And as soon as it got that snow part, I'm kind of like, you know, I don't need to do hiking snow. I'm good. Uh, so I did it until I felt like it got too dangerous and I made the call. Second chance. I love that image of you in the airport looking at the, uh, the fares, the airline fares and saying, okay, <laughs> 60 bucks. Let's, let's do Croatia. Let's try that. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it is, but we're going to do Croatia. Yeah, and I can't believe that was one of the best decisions, you know, I made. I'm super glad. Of course, if I wasn't like an emotional wreck at the time, I would have probably kept going or did something. Uh, but then I made the decision, you know, I better return back to Florida and uh, be around people who love me. So that was and, kind of the plan. And before we get to Florida, it also another another thing I've noticed is that the, the trail, like like many good hikers, the trail is good therapy for you. Yeah, it can be really, really good therapy, except my only thing is, is at that point after a breakup, I think I'll just give myself advice and anybody else future advice. Maybe right after that, you should talk to a couple people, you know, a couple friends or something like that, instead of like instantly isolating yourself with your thoughts. So I think I should have did that for a couple months and then went on a crazy hike. <laughs> so it was a good lesson. But again, maybe I didn't have the experience of what to do, but definitely it healed me in a lot of different other ways. I needed that confidence. I had really low self-esteem issues and going out and doing these things have only built up my confidence and my experience and yeah, my self-esteem is way higher because I'm out doing these adventures. And what are the odds that you decide to pick the $60 fare and go to Croatia and you end up meeting a guy named Tesla, who is the founder of the Croatian Long Trail, who made a documentary in which he talks about not only dealing with the exterior wilderness of hiking, but also the interior wilderness of our minds uh, when we're out there. And that's exactly what sounds like you were doing. You were, you were wrestling with some big issues, dealing with your own internal wilderness, out on your own, not having talked to any friends, and you know, just on that chance, $60 fare. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, I just learned so much from it. And it was, I, 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 it's something that I would never regret. And I think a lot of times we're just super scared to take risks. And then I don't regret those risks I take. And uh, I feel better after doing them. But my anxiety wants me to stop doing them. And I just go out and do them and, yeah, overcoming it. So I always think if somebody else is, like, listening and stuff like that, don't let your anxiety hold you back and think you can't do this. You, I'm sure you can. Uh, just have faith in yourself. That almost sounds like a pro tip. You can't use that now. <laughs> right on. <laughs> okay. So you head back to Florida and reunite with some friends there. And is there a story about the swamps in Florida? Yeah. So the Florida trail has these, uh, the very beginning they say uh, on gut hooks, it makes it really dramatic. Like this is the most dangerous part in the, all of like North America, one of the most dangerous hikes to do these first 30 miles. And I'm like, okay, super dangerous. It says, do not hike it alone. So I'm like, huh, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go hike it alone and go do it in December after. Apparently there was a, some type of a storm, I think a tropical storm, and it was extra flooded too. So I'm like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Let me go through the swamps and hike in waste deep water alone on what's supposed to be a super dangerous trail. So yeah, I did that in December. Uh, but I kept having camera equipment. So, of course, I'm here alive, so you don't have to worry about me dying <laughs> in December. I made it. Uh, so after December, I was like, you know, let me go wait until Christmas happens, spend time with family during Christmas, and then as soon as Christmas is over, the day after Christmas, let me go tackle those swamps some more. And that's exactly what I did, and I was having a blast. And at that time, I felt lonely in Croatia, but – when I was in the swamps in Florida, I was alone, didn't have cell service. I never felt lonely once. I was more like, I'm a pirate. I'm going to get eaten by alligators. I'm like Indiana Jones. I'm just having the time of my life. And I was scared the first two days I think I was out there. I kind of held a knife and waste uh, water. And I get some people do it alone. I, people are super brave when they're together. So of course a group, you said, Oh, well, I went into the water with a group or with somebody else. That's cool. Do it all by yourself. No cell service. Go in waist deep black water called like black lagoon or something. Have these weird splashes splash all around you. You look around and like, huh? Yep. I'm in a safe spot. <laughs> uh, but it was wild. And I super, I walked out of there with like, crazy confidence and I actually have more respect for alligators now I used to have this fear of alligators and now I kind of just I respect them they respect me and they didn't try to eat me so <laughs> that sounds insane we had on the, the podcast uh an AT southbound hiker by the name of Mountain Cat who met up with a uh she, she met her boyfriend on the trail who was from Florida she ended up going back to Florida with him for a while and they did some of the Florida trail and he, they were hiking in waist deep water in the swamps. And uh, he told her, Hey, don't worry about the alligators. They, they're like, they're like, you know, bears. They don't, they don't, they don't want to make contact with you. They, they want to stay away from you. And I told her, I said, I'm not sure that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, some alligators, they kind of always swam away, but alligators have been fed by humans. I had a problem. And I made a video about it, too, because this alligator, he kept me up all night long. He slept outside my tent. And he was like, you know, he wasn't very big, though. So, like, I probably you're picturing like a 10-foot alligator. I don't know if it's like a 10-foot, 15-foot alligator. No, I'd be uh, 
yeah, we'll be doing something. I'll be running really fast. But he was like, you know, I think I was bigger than him. So I felt like, you know, he was like maybe four or five feet. You can go back and you can find my Florida videos if anybody's curious. But yeah, so he wasn't too big. So I wasn't really worried about him. But definitely humans have fed him. And that was the only alligator I thought, you know, might want to chew on my arm hoping to get some chips or something. <laughs> yeah, Chopper, uh, who is a sometime co-host on the podcast chopper and i were having the discussion about whether or not it would be worse to have a bear outside your tent in the middle of the night or a gator outside your tent in the middle of the night what do you think oh i guess it all depends on the size i'm a little bit i feel like i can almost take on an alligator seems a little bit better i feel like i don't know uh, i talked to an alligator wrestler and he told me to go for the nose and that was kind of really cool. He said, don't go for the eyes for an alligator. Once you jab your, uh, but they do that roll. So they might just like rip your head off in the first three seconds if you can't get your fingers up its nose. But I was like, oh, okay. So he's like, this will save your life if it ever does happen. So I would rather have an alligator. I think I can get that nose. Uh, give it a try. <laughs> and did you have to on, on that particular trip? No, no, that wasn't a really cool story. Uh, So I'm on other trips. I haven't had a wild encounter with a grizzly bear. So it's on my bucket list to have a peaceful, good encounter with a, just to see a grizzly in the wild. And yeah, we'll see how that goes. Okay. What else is on your bucket list? Uh, I would call it a thousand and one things. Anytime it's a new experience, I want to see it. Oh, one guy, he said that the uh, great white, uh, he goes down to South Africa and swims with great whites without the cage with the group. And he was telling me that he would help me get scuba dive uh, certificate and we'll make all this happen and we can go swim with the great white sharks. And he's like, you know, they get a really bad name because of the movies. And he's like, he showed me a few videos that the great white shark looks like, you know, they could swallow these people whole. And I'm like, oh, okay, but I'm totally game to, I want to try to go do that and jump out of an airplane, get a tattoo. Uh, I really changed my bucket list. I'm just like, felt like I spent so much time on the couch. I didn't really live my life. So now I'm just kind of like in life living moments and uh, I don't want to miss opportunities I've never experienced. So it's all about finding a new experience and going out and doing it right now. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about your YouTube channel. Um, what was the, what was the inspiration for creating this YouTube channel and what kinds of content can can people expect to find on Second Chance Hikers YouTube channel? Uh, well, I originally didn't edit the first hundred videos. My uh, former wife did. Uh, she actually, I did not know how to edit or anything, and she volunteered that she was going to put the YouTube channel up for me, and she wanted to do it, and she wanted to share my story. So, a lot of things I think I wouldn't have put on my YouTube channel, such as my poop story. Uh, so I shared it, but I would have edited that out in a second. And she just put everything on YouTube. So uh, I think it was kind of really great having that, you know, a third party do it. Uh, how many views end, How many views does the poop video have? I haven't watched it, though. I think it is something to do with close to episode 30 or something. I feel like it's a... Uh, up to like 40,000 views though. So wow. <laughs> it's kind of, I don't think he titles it that. So it's kind of mysterious, but I know which video it is. It's, 
Yep. <laughs> Something to do with, yeah, hiking. We're good. Though. Okay. <laughs> Nobody needs to go find it. <laughs> People right now are writing furious notes. Episode 30. Something about hiking. Not obvious. Okay. We're going to find it. <laughs> the story's in there, though. But people have mentioned it to me. But I think it got about close to 40,000 views. And uh, definitely people have mentioned they've seen that video and they just wanted to bring it up to me. I'm like, oh, gosh. Okay. I still haven't seen it, though. But okay. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> uh, so what you'd find on my YouTube channel right now is uh, I'm talking a little bit about, you know, uh, trying to refine myself. So I started seeing a therapist. And so I was talking to the audience about having my anxiety. Dis- uh, like I had a few panic attacks on the trail. And what took me off the Florida trail was a panic attack. And like I'm talking about certain things like that. But why I'm doing that I was hiking in Bruce Canyon and it was a crazy beautiful hike. And I'm like, add this to your bucket list. And then I kind of go in with my personal stuff and uh, I got nothing but positive comments. And so many people reached out to me and they said they could relate to having anxiety or having a panic attack. And they gave me their stories of what happened in their panic attack and they thought they were dying. And uh, so it was really, really great. Uh, so another video I'm trying to get out in the next couple of days is, I went for a seven mile swim and I had like a hundred people come try to rescue me. This was pretty funny. Uh, not that they, uh, I just was kind of, they just have never seen this. Why it was funny is they've never seen anybody do this. And, uh, they had local guides and stuff like that, taking people out on kayaks and they're like, okay, this guy swimming here. This is insane. Cause there's no way to get to shore. And uh, they would stop and say, are you okay? Do you need to be rescued? Did your boat sink? What happened? And I would yeah, joke and say, no, the sharks got the boat or I'm just looking out for sharks. Tell me if you see any. And we're in Arizona. So of course there's no sharks, but I definitely had some people laughing and stuff. Uh, so I'm going to work on that video. It's, I have like over a hundred video clips. I'll have to somehow put them all together and go through it. Uh, but originally I did it because my friend who, uh, he lost his phone. We went kayaking a week earlier and, uh, I can say, uh, his name's Matt. He's actually paralyzed from the waist down and, uh, yeah, he dropped his phone in the water and I kind of felt really bad. So I told him, you know, I'll just go for a very long swim with goggles and, yeah, so I originally uh, went out there for a very long swim to try to see if I can find my friend's phone. And so I think it's, it was such a fun, awesome adventure. And uh, I'm super excited to make a video about it and kind of share my crazy seven-mile swim adventure. Uh, it was definitely wild and crazy. And I guess you just have to see the video. <laughs> now, do we have to wait for the video to find out whether or not you found the phone? Yeah, I would think so. Okay. We'll good. go with that, though. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Keep but us in suspense. If, yeah, I told him if I found it, I get a hug or a fist bump. It's up to him. So, uh, yeah, so we'll see if I get it or not. So. <laughs> All right. Now, I know you're talking to me from your car somewhere in Colorado. What, what's next for Second Chance? What, what's the next adventure? Yeah, so I am going to knock a few things off in Colorado, go to a few national parks, but I'm trying to look for things just keep popping up. And right now things are so crowded or it's really hot. So yeah, I'm sitting in my, uh, I'm living out of my Jeep or I have my backpack if I can find cool camping spots. But I'm just looking for crazy adventures to go on right now. I definitely want to go to do some backcountry in Glacier National Park. So I'm making my way up there. I think there's some a few backcountry permits I can get to in Colorado. I think Colorado, uh, this is the Rocky Mountain National Park, I think, has some backcountry stuff. So 
I figure backcountry permits, you get away from people more and you can go on more of a fun adventure. So, uh, yeah, just working my way up north and uh, I got my kayak with me, a bicycle with me. I've never kayaked uh, in my entire life. I haven't rode a bicycle in 21 years. I got them both in the last two months and I've already been on some crazy kayaking and yeah, bicycling rides. So, I'm pretty much like the wind right now. I'm just kind of going every day. I don't know exactly where I am, but I'm just doing crazy adventures, like swimming seven miles to see if I can find my friend's phone and sleeping in a canyon. <laughs> uh, just wild, uh, just looking for things to do and just wild adventures to go on. You are out there living the adventure right now. Yeah, it's almost a little bit like I'm Indiana Jones again, and I'm having so much fun doing it. I definitely lose track of time being alone, though. So if here or there I run into somebody, that's awesome. Uh, but I plan on, you know, staying alone probably for about four or five more days, and maybe I'll run into somebody else. And, uh, yeah, you never know where life's taking you. All right. Hey, second chance, you know where we are? Uh, during question, you're going to ask me uh, – question maybe <laughs> no yeah. i don't know we're at that part of the episode where i ask you for your pro tip insight of the week what little piece of wisdom do you have for our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better my biggest thing is is even if you don't have the gear or you don't think you have the right gear i have always went out there and just improvised and my word is for any hiker doing it improvise you're gonna be missing like say you're missing your tent stakes then use rocks i've had to use rocks to set up my tent say you're missing your spoon and you can't eat dinner use a tent stake if you have one or a stick just improvise and uh part of the my best adventures were because things went wrong and i had to improvise and i remember those like look my type two fun those are like the best adventures in the world so don't let that stop you and yeah, go out there and I would love to hear about some crazy rainstorm or something that you had to improvise and overcome. And so, yeah, that's my word of wisdom to hikers right there. Is- Fantastic. Improvise. Very good. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned type two fun. I have never heard of type two fun before. And I talked to Taysen Whitaker, the, uh, the creator and the founder and, and CEO of outdoor vitals. And he talked about the three different types of fun. So now this is, I'm, I'm sensitive to it. And so now you've mentioned type two fun type two fun, as our listeners know, is that fun that you're not having fun when it's happening, but it's, you, you love to talk about it after the fact. So uh, I got I got acquainted with that with Taysen Whitaker. Now you bring it up, and in the episode with Ginger Balls, it comes out on Monday. Um, we talk about Type Four fun. We we define a, a new level of fun. <laughs> Ginger Balls does so. Tune in for that, and and hear what hear what Type Four fun's all about. Okay, I think that's with your maybe a hurricane's happening or you're losing a foot. I don't know. I can see Type Four fun. I, I I'm curious where that's going to. I'll have to listen and find out. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode's in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Second Chance. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Second Chance, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? 
Yeah, so the biggest thing is YouTube. Uh, just type in Second Chance Hiker into YouTube or Instagram are the biggest ones. Of course, I'm like on Facebook and a few other places too. But yeah, just YouTube Second Chance Hiker. And uh, I'm excited to get this seven-mile swim sleeping in a canyon video out for people to see if I find a phone and get a hug or not. So <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, fingers crossed. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And also TikTok now. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. Ginger Balls, by the way, called me a 15-year-old girl because I'm on TikTok. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I need to get on TikTok, though. We have to do what we have to do. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Second chance, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for some type of adventure media to help our listeners stay connected to the trail. This could be a book, a movie, documentary, YouTube channel. We'll already stipulate that they should tune in to Second Chance Hiker on YouTube. But what else do you have for us in terms of an adventure media recommendation? So one of the biggest ones I watch, and he needs to get a lot more love just because of his uh, YouTube channel, but his Jay Wonders Out is he used to be a Marine and he talks like he's a hostage negotiator. And so he's going all over the place. I think he's on the Arizona trail, but I mean, he's inspired me and like certain things I'm hitting in national parks. He's already done it. And uh, he's done the PCT and it was such a pleasure watching him how calm and uh, he was on the PCT. Even I think in the Sierras, he was talking to two other female hikers and they got into like, we should just, you know, kill somebody and take their food because they were getting so hungry. But he said it so calmly. I'm like, wait, what did that just happen? These conversations. <laughs> and uh, So yeah, I would definitely recommend uh, if you want to get inspired, that definitely has been inspiring for me to just get out and do adventures right now. Okay. Thank you very much. And before we wrap things up, we're going to do one more segment called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell me about? What did I miss? Whoa, 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 whoa. That definitely took me off guard there. Uh, the most dying thing. Oh, no, nope, I can't tell you that. Can't tell you that. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with, uh, I wish that you asked me. Oh, man. I don't know. You really put me on the spot here, though. I'm trying to think because I'm going all over the place. And it's like, okay, no. I, uh, I guess the biggest thing that I think because I was so hyper-focused on getting a girlfriend in my previous videos, and then I got a girlfriend, and then the whole relationship exploded on YouTube, I think the question that you maybe people should ask is, would you ever do that again? Are you ever going to get a girlfriend again? Would you ever put her on YouTube again? And stuff like that. And uh, wow, at the moment, thank you for asking me that now. <laughs> Definitely made me uncomfortable. Uh, so I definitely is a weird time in my life where I thought I've always wanted a girlfriend, but then hiking the trails and stuff right now, it finally came uh, in a long time. I don't want a girlfriend anymore. I just kind of want to do my own thing and not worry about something like that. So it was really crazy. At the beginning of this channel, I was always, you know, thinking, yeah, I need to lose weight. I'll find love. I'll find a girlfriend and all this, and this will solve all my problems. And, uh, yeah, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to put a girlfriend on YouTube. I don't want to tell people like, I just don't want a girlfriend. I'm having a lot of fun doing my own stuff. And uh, I think if you can see what I'm doing, you'd be like, oh man, you are having a lot of fun. So yeah, that's a question that uh, finally 
took a long time to realize and I'm just being happy with myself. So well, there I'm, we go. I'm glad I asked that question. Okay, good one. That was like really personal, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a wrap from the John Freaky Mirror Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family? Second chance? I just love everybody. And yes, I need a hug again. So if anybody sees me, uh, just definitely know that we should hug. <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're waist deep in the Florida swamp with strange splashes all around you. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Thank you.